0: Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of KeckCNC's podcast, Global Thinking, where we're joined by experts from around the world to discuss the latest and most exciting trends in strategic communications. My name is Eleanor Cavill, and today I'm joined by two entrepreneurs, Alexander Katz and Julie LeBlanc, as well as KeckCNC expert and director, Valentina von Luterotti to discuss the communications milestones and challenges faced by startups. The label startup is commonly associated with innovation, dynamism, and market disruption, but it can also be equated with risk and inexperience. Both Alexander and Julie have successfully founded and grown businesses, and are well-versed in startup growth journeys. With their help, we're going to be exploring how startups can use communications to manage internal and external perceptions of their business and their brand as they transition from disruptor to established company. So, Alexandre, Julie, thank you for joining us. I wanted to start just by asking you both to share your personal elevator pitch with us, something that you've probably had to do many times throughout your careers. So, could you give an introduction to the businesses that you founded and talk us through your experiences of growing and maturing a company?
1: So, I'm Julie Barbier-LeBlanc and I'm a French national, as you can hear. I created a a company that is called Merit Incentives, We are a global engagement technology company, helping large businesses and smaller ones to engage internally with their employees using employee engagement program or platform and externally with their customers, helping them on loyalty, sales incentive and channel incentives. We have uh, our headquarters in Dubai, but we expanded in many different countries across the world and recently closed our Series A round.
2: I'm Alexander Kapus. I'm the founder and CEO of Greener Crop. Greener Crop is a hydroponic farm management company. And we provide farm management services for existing and aspiring farmers in an effort to enable the transition from conventional agriculture to more sustainable practices.
0: And we're also joined by Valentina Thank you,
3: Eleanor. My name is Valentina. I'm a director here in uh, the Dubai office of Kex CNC. And among many other things, uh, in the past few years, I've been focusing on helping startups tell their story in all different growth stages, from launching their business through to really telling their growth story, as well as helping already established companies that previously were labeled as startups um, in terms of investor relations and the financial reporting cycle.
0: Alexander, I wanted to start by kind of asking you to reflect on some of the communications milestones that you've encountered throughout your career. And in particular, what have you had to do to get greener crop to the place it is today?
2: The first step is always trying to get coverage and understanding who is there? Who are the right audiences for you to, you know, approach and which are the right platforms to help you spread that message? And then other milestones that, you know, are critical to respond to fairly quickly are, you know, the first time you deal with public scrutiny. Um, I've been in situations with previous companies where we we're dealing with B2C approaches and we we're targeting customers directly where deliveries were late for Christmas and that suddenly made national news. And so those are you know, milestones that every company will doubtlessly encounter. You know, the bad ones are always hopefully later than sooner. Um, uh, but it is those kind of things that often leave a lasting impact on how people view your startup.
0: So maybe we can also consider journalists and, and the media as an as an audience. What would your reflections be about how important it is in an early stage for a startup to really establish a good relationship with journalists and tell its narrative using the media as, as a channel?
2: Media? Is obviously a fantastic opportunity for you to get, you know, eyeballs on a story and ears and you know on a story as well. And you know whether it's print, whether it's it's online, whether it's through podcasts, uh, interviews, and so on. There are a lot of opportunities for you to tell a story in more words than you'd be able to communicate to clients through marketing, etc. Media is always a terrific opportunity if you're able to control the narrative and journalists obviously understand what they are able to sell to their audience and everyone knows that bad news makes for better news than you know good news and so while there's obviously a great opportunity to work with the media to get some exposure it's a double-edged sword in a sense that you are now on their radar if something bad happens you're gonna have to be able to respond to that fairly quickly and i think one of the things that I went through that has been extremely beneficial for the rest of my career has been going through actual media training. And You know, I think one of the key takeaways there was journalists are people and people like people and people dislike people. If you can do something to make sure that journalists like you, which is, you know, be honest, be upfront, give them a bit of a different approach. Don't, you know, stonewall them at any opportunity if it's not necessary that helps you build a relationship that you can benefit from in the future.
3: I think building these relationships is really important in the first place as you, um, as yourself, representative or founder of of your company. And the things that we usually recommend in doing so is having background meetings and and giving the journalists what they want, which is facts and figures. And the more you give them in sort of peace time, where everything is going well, and the better you you nurture this relationship, um, the better you can deal with uh, situations that are maybe more difficult or times of crisis, where you want the journalist to be your friend and to give you the benefit of the doubt. So it all comes down to this relationship building. I think the more you do it yourself, uh, the the better, and and to really have uh, or to provide your media friends access to yourself as the spokesperson. Um, Obviously, we as a communications firm, we can help establishing these relationships. And often this is something that we do, especially for the early stage startups. But I think it's also important um, and, and we see a lot of success where founders or CEOs are really at one level with the journalists and have this direct line to them, because this is when Especially in more turbulent uh, times, it's really where, where it benefits the business and, and you're maintaining your p- reputation, basically.
0: And Julie, what's your perspective here? What role has communications played in getting merit incentives to where it is today? Uh, actually, uh, I agree a lot with what uh, Alexander
1: is saying because I started my, my journey as an entrepreneur uh, launching a B2C gifting company in Dubai uh, 10 years ago. And five years ago, we decided, um, based on the success we got with all these B two C customers, to launch B two B ventures. That was merit incentives, and the the fact that we pivoted and the fact that we had to change the audience from one day to another was quite, you know, like a bit uh, something not easy to handle at the beginning. You know, for the team, for us, for for the management, for. Everyone, even the perception, you know, when you have been communicating on a company about what kind of B2C services you can offer and then you need to be credible uh, to offer B2B services as well. So um, communication was key. And I agree that to us, where we focused on was clients' communication. It was really important for us that uh, enterprise clients that we were discussing with understand how... You know, relevant we are to provide these kind of services in terms of uh, rewards and incentive, uh, engagement technology, and you have so many different stakeholders in a, in a corporate environment. So your communication needs to be extremely clear, uh, depending if you work with the business side of a corporate client or if you work with the IT department or finance. So communication always played a very important role in our success. And I would say um, in terms of uh, challenges, it's to make sure that you get your communication right and that you have this storytelling aspect, you know, of uh, everything you do because people are not as involved in your business as you are. And sometimes you can completely miss
0: the fact that they don't get where you are coming from or where you want to go. Alexander, is that something that you think you've encountered as well? The idea that people don't understand what your business does as well as you might. So how do you kind of, how have you overcome that? And, you know, what have the challenges been there?
2: <laughs> yeah, that's, um, I think, it, I'm sure, you know, Julie and I have hundreds of anecdotes for that. It's, it's, it's tricky, right? It's, there are things that you think you've simplified down to, you know, the, the best possible amount. And yet it fails to make the impact that you were hoping. And so, you know, storytelling is a great way of delivering your message in a way that will stick with clients. And I agree completely with Julie there and, and, you know, connecting with what I was saying earlier. um, If you're able to tell a story, then there are pieces of your communication that are very coherent, that are connected, and that allow customers and clients to remember what you're trying to tell them and to make that a little bit easier. I think we try and bring a message across. Um, We try and communicate in the best possible way what we intend to do and why we intend to do it. And so the why is always going to be as important as the what. And I think that's been one of the key takeaways in in you know the last few years of business is that as long as we not only tell them what we are doing, but we're also explaining to them honestly and transparently why we're doing it, you will get more understanding of it and you will get more appreciation and better feedback from your stakeholders. And the reality is that people aren't dumb. Um, If people don't understand what you're saying, it's often because you're, you're not being fully transparent about what you are telling them. You're giving them what you believe you want them to hear. You're not giving them what they know is behind that.
0: And Valentina, how, as C, do you think we try and help the startup clients that we work with really get to grips with the what and the why and how to simplify those messages down for the audience that they're prioritizing? I think both of you touched upon
3: uh,
0: the essence here, which
3: is the storytelling. And I think when we come into play and when we support clients, especially at an early stage, it's often around this articulating your value proposition and making sure that your audiences really understand what it is that you do and why, as we as we just discussed. Often we feel that it is very clear in the founders' minds, but then using a lot of jargon, for instance, or a technical speech that no one else really gets. So we are kind of a uh, a translator to really tell the story in very easy and simple terms so that everyone can get it.
0: I guess when I think of the milestones that are associated with that growth journey for a startup, funding really stands out as being an imperative. The question for both Alex and Julie, how have you seen communications play a role in helping you bring investors on side to really help scale up the companies that you've worked with?
2: I think Julie is definitely in a better position to answer that than I am. (laughs)
1: Um, So one of the things, actually, that was really interesting, I think, in communicating with investors or communicating with clients or internally is that it helps you reflect. You know, like as a founder, um, you have an idea, but your idea is not always 100% shaped. You have this, I don't know, 10% that you are still a bit testing or adapting to make sure that you match uh, with the market or with the client's needs, for example. So the fact that we were we were speaking with them and we were looking at at the forecast at what would be the future of our company, our technology and so on, then it's extremely valuable. Like uh, the milestone actually was to put ourselves in front of other people and say, okay, we are able to tell you what would be the future. And um, it's sometimes challenging when you start uh, as a founder in a startup you forecast of course at two years five years and so on but actually you, you operate on a three to six months running plan so and you keep being agile and changing and adapting and this is your strength so um yeah it was it was a very interesting uh, exercise and milestone and having the trust of investors in especially institutional investors you know they see thousands of of companies that are coming to them asking to to believe in their story to to support them and so on and making sure that our communication was extremely clear it was not an easy task because it's tons of questions like uh, from different angles different aspects and so on yeah i think it's it's really a turning point actually in a in the life of a company
0: and Valentina, how, as C would we advise a startup to approach that that milestone? Um, I know a very broad question, but are there any general rules that we would prescribe? So going back
3: to the point that I made earlier about really um, packaging your messages in the right way that everyone understands them, I think here it is really important also to think about the different nuances that are important for the different type of audiences and the different stakeholder groups that you're speaking to. If we are now um, thinking about funding rounds, I think it it all starts with packaging the the investor story here and what is in for them. We help uh, clients often to put together the investor presentation, for instance, where they can really see, okay, what what do I get out of it if your business is, is being successful And obviously, I think there are different things that you would stress or highlight. Um, Or if you're speaking to your employees, you have um, the story of an employer of choice that you want to highlight and why you are a great employer. If you're talking to your customers, it is much more about, okay, what are the services or what is the product um, adding to your life or what is the value that you gain from our products or services? And the investor community is always very particular, as Julie says. There's a lot of uh, businesses that that come, especially to institutional investors, trying to secure that funding. And it's really important to cut through with your story in a way that is differentiated um, and, and really shows the value on the long term and how you can scale your business over a period of time.
0: You mentioned internal audiences there, and, and employees being a really important one. Alex and Julie, what are your reflections on how important it is to bring your colleagues on side with you as you move through the journey and and look to grow and scale?
2: I think you know early stage startups. What I've seen in Europe and here and in America follow a bit of an approach which is fake it till you make it, and you know if you can bang the drums loud enough, someone's going to start paying attention. And it's funny because that helps you often get, you know, into the door and get a meeting with those institutional investors. But once you're in there, it's a completely different story, right? Because I mean, there is a point where you need to basically, you know, beat your chest and show that you're the absolute alpha in the room and that your startup has unlimited growth potential. But then there's going to come a point where you're going to have to reveal your finances and you're going to have to reveal your burn rates. And that's where it starts getting interesting because you obviously have companies like Uber who have been public for a couple of years now and are still making massive losses and people seem to be okay with that. And so there's a part of a startup founder that always thinks, well, profits will come later, as long as we show that there is this massive revenue potential, profits can come later. But institutional investors don't necessarily look at it like that, right? And especially in our part of the world, uh, institutional investors, um, you know, VCs, et cetera, are a lot more risk averse. And so you kind of have to play those two sides, one of them, which is also internally, we have to show that we are growing like crazy and we're strong and we're healthy and so on, because your employees want to feel that they're in a job in a role that has, you know, a certain amount of longevity that, you know, allows them to plan midterm and long term, especially if, you know, they're looking to grow their own careers. And that, you know, continues all the way to the when a company goes public. Right. Because at this point, you know, you've been banging your drum and you've been making sure that you put out press releases on today. We delivered a thousand orders of food and we had 700 rides in our city and so on. And then suddenly you have to file your S1 filings and you really have to, you know, expose yourself completely to the scrutiny of your investors, to the scrutiny of the public, to the scrutiny of, you know, the Security and Exchange Commission. And so it's interesting because you're constantly trying to go between those two points where. One is projecting confidence, and the other one is being very, very careful about what you say not coming around to bite you in the the rear. There's also a whole new legal aspect to this where forward-looking statements can get you in a lot, a lot, a lot of trouble. And so in any communication, you have to be extremely careful about anything you say not being able to be interpreted as a forward-looking statement because that will be a clear breach of rules. And yeah, so that adds, I mean, that's the point where you really need experts to help you with every single word, because that's where you can get in hot water really quickly.
1: Actually, I I would like to add as well, is what what makes uh, companies sometimes to succeed or to fail is to have always this balance between communicating enough and communicating uh, just a little. It's to understand where is, um, you know, like the risk when you are communicating too much as well, that you open more about your strategy, your, f- your future plan, then competition can come afterwards, so you make yourself more vulnerable to be able to grow again. So it's just a, f- a difficult balance sometimes. And, and one more thing I want to add after listening to both of you, it's um, as well what can be quite difficult when you have a very fast uh, growth, is to make sure that you communicate with your employees for them to keep up, because people that were extremely relevant at some stages uh, of your startup journey uh, may not be the relevant people later on. And either you help them to go to the next level with you and to to go, or you have a proper communication with them, telling them what you anticipate and what you expect. And um, it's it's quite difficult because you're already busy, uh, you know, communicating outside and with challenges and so on. And so, so yes, I think it's it's part of any
0: company uh, journey and even more for startups. Valentina, what would your advice be to kind of overcome that challenge from an internal perspective?
3: Yeah, I think it goes back to transparency a little bit as well. Um, Obviously, the further you grow and the more you grow and the more attention you have from external audiences, your employees should always be almost the number one stakeholder group you need to think about because in the end, though, they are the people who enable the growth. And I think this this is what you also, this is the kind of the message that you need to bring back to them that showing and telling them that each and every one of them plays a very important part within this growth journey so that they feel recognized and valued along the way Um, and I think this is one element of of taking them along with you on this journey but also transparency in terms of things that go right things that go wrong don't try and hide anything from your own people be as open as possible in your communications especially when it comes to to your internal audiences Um, and the other thing is also As you grow, it is really important to think about your future talent. So you should also be prepared to have a strategy in place to attract future talent, not only retain those people that you've already got, but at the same time, understand who do we need and how can we get them to work for us as a growing company? What is in for them? So that's the other bit that I think should not be forgotten.
0: And perhaps one final difficult question for you, Alexander and Julie, What is the biggest piece of advice you would give to another startup that is ready to use communications to tell its growth journey? One thing I could tell is um, be yourself.
1: Like don't try to imitate what other startups or other companies have done just because it looks great in management books. It's important to say, close to your values and to make sure that you communicate the right message that is something you can deliver and something you believe in otherwise it's going to be very complicated to keep up in the future and also i know the region and in general like startups are push a lot to talk about big numbers and so on don't do it before actually you're there because it's very very difficult to to be strong enough actually to 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 go to the next phase if you have communicated too much and there is a a discrepancy between what you have said and and what's really happening.
2: Yeah, I think that's an excellent point by Julie. You know, there's a lot more for every startup to talk about than their performance. And I think there's there's a basic exercise that we all learn in business school sometime in the first few weeks, which is, you know, you need to define a mission and vision. And... It's, um, I mean, it's as cliche as interviewers asking you about, you know, what's your five-year plan and what are your strengths and weaknesses, right? Everyone kind of thinks that is a silly question and, and you know what it is. But in the case of communications, it's really not. If you have a clear vision and if you have a clear mission for you, what you want to achieve, that sets a silver lining for all of your communication to follow. And that allows you to be coherent in in what you pursue and the decisions that you make and what you communicate to the outside. And that has to be something that's about more than making money, right? Because, I mean, we all know that most of us get into these businesses because we see a market opportunity and we see the opportunity for us to be hopefully the next Mark Zuckerberg or Jeff Bezos or whoever it is. Right. But no client is going to be motivated by that, you know, or is going to feel a connection to your brand because of that. Instead, what the good brands do is, you know, create a feeling that comes with it. And that often comes through you setting a mission. Right. And as long as that is constantly part in our communication, it allows people to connect with us. It allows people to understand, A, why we're doing what we're doing, B, how we make our decisions. And it gives us something to talk about other than you know, we raised funding, Um, we signed our 100th customer, whatever it is.
0: Well, thank you, Julie Alexander, for joining us today. It's been great to speak to you, both as entrepreneurs and communicators. And a big thank you also to Valentina for providing that expert communications lens. If you want to listen to more episodes of this podcast, Global Thinking, then please do visit our website, www.kexcnc.com. Thank you very much for listening and see you soon.